this week on EXM. Valve's proposed paid mods program for Skyrim gets annihilated. The long-awaited Silent Hill sequel gets hilled. I mean silenced. Yeah, that works. Call of Duty wants you to answer the Call of Duty Black Ops 3 style. Keep an eye on your mini-map for when we get lost in a dialogue tree discussion about open-world games. We talk dragons, orcs, and gardening equipment in games per minute, and robots in disguise, bats in disguise, and shadows in disguise for our gaming recommendations. All that and more coming up in 30 seconds on EXM. Hi, I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite podcast on the Citadel. You're now listening to Exclamation Mark. video games. You're now listening to the Exclamation Mark Podcast. So this is Jeff here on the Exclamation Mark Podcast. With me are Bo Schwartz. Hi, Bo. Uh, hello. How's it going, Jeff? I'm doing great, thanks. And also with us is Crofton. Hey, how's it going, Crofton? It's going great, guys. I'm, uh, I'm excited to talk some games this week. So how is, uh, how has the post-episode 2 recording been, week been treating you guys? I, it's been treating me pretty well. I actually really uh, I've enjoyed each of these as they go on more and more. We're getting getting better, looser, and uh, it's just uh, it's just fun to have have a point of the week where we can uh, we can sit down and and exchange video game pleasantries. Bo, you're doing good too. Uh, yeah, been doing great. Played some video games this week. Look forward to talking to some more. You sound tired. You tired? Uh, no. No, Are you sure, Bo? You sound a bit tired. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not tired. <laughs> and I, like I said, I'm Jeff. I'm uh, happy to be hosting this week. My first time ever hosting a podcast, so I hope uh, I don't scare away too many listeners. That's sweet. But, you, uh, feel, you feel nervous? Oh, I'm I'm very nervous. I, like the the thousands and thousands of fans will tear me apart if I don't do this well. Sometimes it's not the amount of listeners, and I'm sure we have hundreds of thousands, but it, it's just the concept of doing something you haven't done before, you know, can be nerve-wracking. I don't want you to be nervous, Jeff, if you're nervous. Well, you're, the sound of your voice is making me nervous now, but no, I'm, I'm good. Sweet. All right, well, um, you know, we're just going to go through this. It's, it's a couple of friends having fun, having a conversation about video games, so don't feel nervous, just have fun. Why are we talking about being nervous? Nobody's <laughs> nervous, but oh. I feel like a guy is going to bust into my apartment like guns blazing for some reason. I don't know why. Shall we move nervous. on to news? Sure. All right, this is readme.txt. Guys, you uh, ready to get to the big news this week? Yeah, for sure. Sweet. Valve and uh, Bethesda tried to launch paid mods this week. Uh, The announcement didn't go so well, the rollout didn't go so well, and the feedback didn't go so well. What do you you guys think? Um, Well, first off, like mods are one of those things that uh, I have actually – never really used or got into even though I am a half PC gamer and I I play a bunch of PC games and I think about them when when I buy the PC version of things I'm like oh you know what it'd be really cool I could install a bunch of mods to Skyrim yeah. or whatever uh but I don't I don't often end up doing it but I appreciate that that market is there that the, the people who are passionate about games are there and that that, that they do do it so anything that has legitimately pissed them off uh, can't be a good thing, I would imagine, for the video game industry. Well, you're big on uh, on the PC front. Are are you into the modding community at all? Um, well, yeah, gaming. A lot of a lot of the big games you might have played and enjoyed are the result of you know mods from times past. I think a lot of creative people who aren't necessarily involved in the gaming industry but have a passion for games. Um, become involved by creating mods for games 
and doing a lot of pretty impressive things to 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 change games. So I'm a big like modding is uh, fundamental to gaming. Um, you should be trying mods if you don't try mods because they can. There's some really good ones depending on the game that can heighten your experience or just give you more to enjoy in the game. What's a mod you've tried, Bo? Um, well, for example, uh, I like to play the. Um, there's a mod for Skyrim that adds more dragons. So there's a motorcycle outside my house now going crazy. Um, <laughs> that's a mod for my life. Uh, I added the more motorcycle mod, and now I have lots more motorcycles in my life. No, but there's a more dragon mod. So when I'm playing Skyrim, it isn't such a rare occurrence to see a dragon. There are dragons that you know appear more often. And there are dragons that look like Macho the, the Randy Savage, Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, I've seen yeah. clips of that one. <laughs> I've also seen clips of the one where the, the dragons are Thomas the Tank Engine, I believe. Yeah, sure. So, like, Skyrim is well-known. I mean, Bethesda uh, game, that, that particular franchise, Elder Scrolls, is well-known for its modding. Um, but There's, there, there, there's there... a lot of good big games that have come out of mods. Like, Counter-Strike was a mod first. I didn't play much Counter-Strike. Um, do, uh, defense, uh, what is it, Dota? What does it stand for, Bo? Defense of the Ancients. Yeah, that was a mod. It was a I mod just realized on... I never knew that. Yeah, it was a mod for Warcraft 3. I think it started off with even a different name, then turned into Defense of the Agents. Then a whole bunch of people said, hey, let's just make this a game. And now there's like, now there's that whole, um, you know, there's MOBAs everywhere. There's a League of Legends, Here's a New Earth, Smite, uh, Heroes of the Storm, Dota 2 that Valve runs. But that all came from a mod. Isn't it funny, though? Isn't it ironic that this whole thing, this whole controversy this past week has stemmed from actions that Valve themselves have taken, but that they are like the the whole Dota thing and Dota 2 in particular um, stemming from a mod and, and being such a crucial part of their business. It's just it's just ironic, I find, that they're the ones making this. Well, this. I, when I first heard about modding for games like paying a creator to make an awesome mod um i thought that was a pretty it sounded like a pretty bold move you know because a lot of these people do all this fantastic work for nothing you know they have full-time jobs they have families and their hobby on the side is to add something wonderful to a game that you already enjoy and this is time spent doing that stuff so on paper I look at it and say, well, if there's a mod you really enjoy, then support it. And already a lot of these bigger modders have, you'll see donate links, you know, donate to my Patreon, donate to me via PayPal, things like that. So Steam's really trying to integrate all that gaming culture into its client. So it seemed like, oh, here's a here's a very non-shady way of giving creators money. And Bethesda would have to be on board with its IP to even allow someone else to make money off modding. Um, and I haven't actually gotten a chance to look at what the arguments against it were, other oh, than it disincentivizes actual No, there's tons. Work. First yeah. of all is the revenue breakdown. So the revenue breakdown was was something like uh, – I'm going to screw this up for sure – 25% to the modder, 30% to Valve, and the rest to Bethesda or something. And if you don't make at least 100 bucks on your on your mod, you get nothing. Um, so like it was per quarter like, or whatever, like pardon me, per quarter or something. Like I, yeah, I, I'm not sure if it's quarter okay. or permanently, okay. but, but, and there was also like it, it, it's, it comes back to the early access stuff that steam is doing. You're, you're selling things that could potentially be a, unstable that mods are notorious for like, say conflicting with one another. You got to install this mod to install that mod or whatever. It divided what was a very, um, intimate uh, group of creators, which is the modding community, where you had some that were like, oh, yeah, we can make a little bit of extra f uh, money from this. And then you have others that are like, well, okay, Steam is selling, but say Skyrim Nexus or other other hubs of mods is not, you know, you can still get them for free. Um, and then there's talk about potential and like would, would, um, say Bethesda approach Valve and say like we're we're, we're only going to offer mods through you or allow mods to be offered through you so that we can make uh, we can make money so for a future game in particular and there's the idea that like if modders are solving problems so like say say 
you're working on a game and you got a shitty UI, like a, like the the HUD and everything is kind of crappy, and you're like, well, we could invest money to fix this, or we could just release it and let the modding community fix it, and then recoup more money when they sell a mod that fixes something that was shitty in our game, right? Yeah, um, yeah. There's problems there because there's evidence of a lot of that. A lot of that happens already, like in games that have ongoing support. Like a modder does fix a UI problem. Well, in the next patch, all of a sudden, or the expansion pack or whatever, oh, the problem's fixed because, you know, they took the ideas from the modding community and officially integrated it into their product at a later date. Like they do so that all the time, right? Did, uh, did you guys happen to read uh, Gabe Newell's AMA on Reddit? Yeah, I, I took I definitely read quite a few of his responses. It seemed to catch him by surprise. That was my biggest takeaway. Was he was yeah, like he walked into a storm he wasn't expecting there. No, yeah, and, and and I think I think that his answers weren't the best, and his company was doing things that he wasn't even aware of, banning uh, people's accounts who were speaking out about it and this sort of thing. What what I find that again, in the irony of this is that in the 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 realm of uh, of video game publishing, um, there are kind of a few sacred cows, people, a few companies that people are still willing to emotionally latch on to um, in the in worlds filled of EAs and Activisions. And uh, one of those is Valve. You hear people talk about Valve and how great Valve is all the time, especially but, on Reddit. Even yeah, it's oh really yeah, really surprising. Yeah, and, and and another is Bethesda, who makes these giant hardcore open world games that that have uh, a lot of modding potential and all this. So the fact that these two companies and Bethesda posted on their website this giant blog, sort of explaining their rationale, and I read that as well. Uh, because I I found I found it quite interesting, and uh, in the end, uh, uh, both of the companies realized in short order that what they were doing was was causing a lot of ill will towards both of them, and that any money that they would recoup uh, would probably not be worth the pain that they were enduring, and they quickly backed off uh, and have rescinded the decision in less than a week. Like this all happened in in less than a week. They tried to. To have pay mods just for Skyrim, uh, they dealt with the shitstorm. Gabe Newell's AMA, everything, and now it's it's back to where we were. But now there's a bunch of people with hard feelings at everyone. But, so. I don't. But you got to give them credit for that, right? They, they they listen to the community. That's what fans complain about most when it comes to EA and all the big companies. Is they say we have these complaints, but they're too big. They're making too much money. They don't care what we have to say. So. You know, they might be looking at it from a perspective of the bottom line, but I think it's it's good that they, you know, they realize this isn't what our our community wants. Yeah, because like I can kind of like both of you like have paraphrased the concerns of the people that eventually got them to to back down on this issue, but there are there are examples of gaming companies who are trying to integrate microeconomy from the player base in terms of, you know, Planetside 2 has their player studio program where you can, you know, artists can make content for sale on the store for other users to buy and they cut you a check and it's integrated into that, you know, financial ecosystem. I, I think it might happen for TF2. I'm not sure if, if anyone can, you know, make helmets or if that's just like a inter-business kind of thing. But there are examples of ga gaming companies trying to promote you know the users creating content to sell to other users and creating that sort of marketplace and i feel like that's what bethesda and valve are trying to do and for companies with such goodwill it shows a lot of mistrust because you know my instinct is like well they've done a lot of things right let's let's let them experiment and see where this goes and if i don't like it i'll go to the other there's tons of add-on sites and mod sites that aren't valve that you can go to for your mods but um, but so if they fail, then, well, I just won't go there for that well, kind of thing. Valve has eroded a lot of its goodwill lately, and that's uh, people are slowly turning on them. They're, they've essentially stopped game production almost entirely. I think the last new game they released was Portal 2 and years ago, um, and uh, a lot of people are upset about the lack of uh, finality or a new Half-Life and all this. But also Steam has 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 
begun disappointing people, especially with things like uh, early access, pay-to-play, um, unfinished games and this sort of thing. It, it feels like that they're just squeezing more and more blood from the stone in terms of trying to get, get money. So people are losing – Valve is losing a bit of its luster and people aren't as forgiving. They, they're seeming to be chasing dollars a lot more. Uh, and, and I think like now we have we – have, we're talking about this now with the benefit of hindsight. We know that they've rescinded this decision. But like the financial br- breakdown was ludicrous like in terms of um, how much money that the modder actually got. And people said like you could solve this problem. You just have a donate button next to the mods on Steam. People could click it if they wanted to donate. Um, or if you're going to charge, like give a sizable per- Per, uh, percentage to the modders, but twenty five percent is can is is considered very very little, even in the video game breakdown of like publisher and distributor to what Steam and what uh, what Valve and what um, uh, Bethesda were actually contributing to the equation. And I've worked like in a, at a company in which uh, we published a game with an uh, an IP that was owned by another company, a very famous IP, and. Uh, and we gave them money for doing nothing except for for using their IP. So I I recognize like using the Skyrim IP, um, you know, to develop these mods. They Bethesda deserves some money. It's just the ridiculous percentage that they were getting. I think was causing a lot of ill will. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I don't think I'd pay for a mod anyway. <laughs> like that's the thing. That's the thing about this is like, well, let them charge whatever, and then no one's gonna. Like I feel like some of the pricing probably decided by the fact that they're not expecting a large volume of sales on this because modding is free. Like I'm not going to I'm not going to pay for mods. Uh, I would prefer to pay for a mod that I really enjoyed, you know, afterwards, like using the donate. So I don't think I don't know. My opinion on this is just that it's kind of too bad that it appears to be shut down completely. I'd kind of like to see it evolve and for them to be incentivized to provide more support to modders. And right on. I'm not saying that's the right answer, but I think, I think in the spirit of developing a goal towards the right answer, you know, we need to have a dialogue and not just shut it down completely. Speaking of getting shut down, uh, silent Hills got pulled from the PlayStation store a few days ago. And then as of, I believe today, it's uh, it's officially canceled. What do you, were you guys looking forward to this game? Is this a disappointment uh, for your future library? Bye bye, Silent Hill. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> it's, it, here's the, here's the thing: is it's PT that was taken off the store, right? PT is it was a free demo released last summer. And I I haven't played it, but I've gone to download. I've I've now gone to download it because I think it's coming off today, uh, date of recording. I think we're April twenty eighth. Um, today is the day it's coming down, so I want to be sure that I I had it before then because supposedly it's like a really immersive, really cool little experience. And in the end, was a promotion for uh, this. Silent Hills in development game and the reason there was more hype around it than other ones was because it was being made with a partnership between Hideo Kojima, the the Metal Gear guy who's pretty much as close to a celebrity game designer as you get and Guillermo del Toro uh, famous director known for for creature films like Pan's Labyrinth and stuff, so I think there's a lot of there's a lot of hype and interest in it. And uh, when they announced that PT was getting pulled, and with all that's going on at Konami, where they've removed Kojima's name from all the Metal Gear Five boxing and stuff, I think like the writing was on the wall that Silent Hills was going bye bye. So, so were either of you actually planning on playing this game though, uh, Bo? I don't think you were, but Crofton, did you, were you going to pick this up? Maybe. Was it, I, I'm actually curious if you were going to pick it up. I probably I probably would have uh, myself, depending on depending on reviews. I haven't played a Silent Hill game for a while. I think the last one actually I played was Silent Hill Two, which was many people seem to think was the best one. And uh, I you know I liked it quite a bit, but. Um, I, I didn't, you know, and not enough to to go and to play any of the subsequent Silent Hills so, uh, uh, games. So this one, I I think I might have given a pass. What I personally am more concerned about is the state of Konami, which is a company that I grew up with that made 
tons of games that I've loved, including Contra and even the Metal Gears and and, and different stuff. Because stuff's going on there, man. Like stuff is going on, and uh, it's not looking good. So I, I really I really hope Konami doesn't go the way of Midway. Um, so Jeff, did you were you going to play that one or? Um, I'd seen, uh, seen one of the trailers and it looked pretty decent, but I, I think I'm like you, the Silent Hill 2 was the last, uh, game in that series that I played. So it m- might've been one of those ones that I checked out a few months down the road once the price dropped, but I, I had no solid plans. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to miss this one too much. I don't think. There'll be another, see, this is it. There'll be another Silent Hill game. That's yeah. it. They'll, it'll just not have the pedigree attached to it and and like again i don't know what's going on at konami kojima is clearly on the outs they're they're going to see through the publication of metal gear solid 5 he's going to then um either freelance do some indie stuff or end up with a another company there's all these sort of talks about him in different places i've always thought he's a little bit overrated so it's not really the the end of the world for me but it does look like a company that doesn't know what the hell it's doing internally and as i said like konami there's a lot of games that they have made. I, I'm sure I could go back and and think about it that I've I've gotten a lot of enjoyment out of. So I would really be sad to see them go belly up. Yeah, let's hope this is just a, in sports terms a rebuilding year for them, right? All oh, right. Yeah, I know there's a lot of people who are fans of the Silent Hill uh, franchise. They've made movies out of it. Um, Supposedly so horrible movies. Whatever. Like, them. there's a lot of people who are big fans of things that are terrible. You know, whether like objectively terrible or just terrible to you. Um, so I'm sad for anyone who's a big fan of those games because uh, probably it was it would be one of the better entries in the Silent Hill uh, gaming canon. So, you know, yeah, it sucks be, yeah. when that sucks when that happens. So I sort of identify with that. Um, yeah. But uh, personally, I, I, you know, maybe Hideo will uh, go and work on something better than Silent Hill. I that. like survival. I like survival <laughs> horror games in general, and Silent Silent Hill was always like the uh, the the idea was it's the more cerebral one where it's all about like the horrors that exist in one's mind as opposed to Resident Evil that's more like there are zombies everywhere, shoot them in the head. Um, so I, I I like that in theory, but it's it's actually a downer to play for, and maybe that's the intention, but it becomes a downer to play for a while. You're like, okay, this guy's borderline suicidal. I get it. I feel really awful about myself now. Thanks, yeah. But if if you want a game that doesn't have any breaks to get down, full of, chock full action. It's Bo's favorite, Call of Duty Black Ops 3. The trailer and release date just came out this week. Uh, are you guys going to be – have you guys checked out the trailer? Are you Are you guys Call of Duty players or Call of Duty haters? I checked out the trailer. Uh, looks like – I mean it looks – it's sweet in the sense that like all of the the black ops ones are a little more sci-fi uh yeah. oriented and i that appeals to me i don't like military shooters like i don't like shooting dudes in the face that are you know terrorists because some government says they are whatever today we're shooting russians again or we're uh, like i don't like those types of games for the most part i i'm yeah. i'm not not a fan it's like last week we talked about battlefield and then we're talking about Star Wars Battlefront. What's the difference between those two games? Not much, really. One's practically a reskin of the other, except it's the whole setting and environment. And so, like, if I was going to play a Call of Duty game, and I'm not saying I'm going to be getting Black Ops 3 or whatever. I haven't played Black Ops 1 or 2, so doubtful i'm just gonna jump in <laughs> um jump in on three but i definitely feel of the subsections of call of duty that's the one that would probably appeal to me the most it's it's funny because you, you know i'm a fairly big fan fan of the franchise i like picking them up most years and i i mostly pick it up for the for the online multiplayer but uh the the, the black ops is is probably the least interesting of, version of the series i guess uh, I've been having some fun with Advanced Warfare this past year. Uh, it's it's very much back to basics, except you can jump higher, and I freely admit that. But the maps are well designed, and so I, I thought it was interesting that Black Ops Three also went towards the the high tech gadgety route because we just had that in Advanced Warfare. Wasn't the first Black Ops like more of a Vietnam kind of deal? Like what? Yeah, I be- yeah, yeah, Black Ops. The first one I believe was was in Vietnam. Yeah. Yeah, like it had that sort of like sixties. Seventies yeah, kind of like, it, and it had a great soundtrack. Uh, yeah. It it wasn't wasn't a 
big uh i wasn't a big fan of it okay so like and they but they appear to have gone the route of more of a modern like it's it's kind of like modern warfare or um, yeah well the, this, the, this uh so i think black ops 2 was modern this one's going to be set i think about 50 years in the future <laughs> okay well, see, it's it's just it's just interesting how they have like these sub because now they have advanced warfare, which was interesting uh, last year as as kind of like um, an, a third tier. I guess they had ghosts as well. That's a different one shop, and now you had the modern warfares, which are pretty much done. Although they could relaunch them at any given time. Now yeah. you got the black ops, and you've got like for an annual release game. I feel like at least they mix it up so. You may be a fan of Call of Duty, but every year you might not be the year for your favorite Call of Duty. Because Jeff, while you don't like Black Ops as much, I know there's some yeah. people that Black Ops is their like number one, right? Well, and and you know they alternate every year uh, the the studios that put them out, right? Right, right. So it it very much has to do with uh, your preference in their sort of style and aesthetic, I guess. Too is Kevin Spacey in this one? I I did not see him in the trailer. He his presence will be missed though. <laughs> it, it was pretty cool, like you know, dealing with Frank Underwood in a video game. Essentially, yes. Do you shoot Frank Underwood in the head? Spoilers. Do you, shoot uh, you know what? I don't even know if I finished the campaign. I'm as if play that you didn't finish the campaign. Uh, I, it's I, like probably it's six two hours, hours long. <laughs> no, yeah, it was it was. You know what? I'm pretty sure I did. I can't remember the end, but I'm sure I did shoot him in the head. I'm sure I was like <laughs> almost dead and I had to crawl to get my gun and then shoot him or something like every other Call yeah, of Duty. It's, it's funny because the only one – the last one I finished the campaign was I think Modern Warfare, the first one, like Call of Duty 4. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's how it ends too. You're like crawling, grab a gun and shoot a guy in a like cinematic way. Uh, yeah, that's sort of become their thing I think. That's hilarious. All right, so I think that wraps it up for gaming news. Uh, let's talk about what we're playing in games per minute. You're always talking about making kids' minds like vegetables. Talk about them out on the street, smoking pot. This is games per minute. How do you feel about cutting it head off? So let's start with you, Bo. What, uh, what have you been playing this week? Um, so this week I just played Marvel Heroes, finished up the campaign. Uh, did a little bit of Endgame, but got a little bored. And then the fourth wing of Black Rock Mountain for Hearthstone came out. So I played that in a bunch of heroic mode. And I played another... Um, it's funny that we were talking about Defense of the Ancients, and that being a mod. I played some Heroes of the Storm this week. That's about it. I haven't, I haven't been playing that much games this week because i am kind of got a raging Clone Wars addiction right now. Right on. And uh, so I've been spending most of my free time watching uh, Star Wars. And did um, you play? Did you play through Marvel Heroes as the same two heroes that we were talking about last week, or did you pick up some new people and no? Switch I, it I, up? I stuck to Psylocke. There's a one point where she becomes really awesome because when she teleports, she leaves a sort of a, a mirror image of herself, and then okay. you can use these abilities to teleport all your mirror images to a point and just bounce all over the screen. So um, I stuck with Psylocke because, as it turns out, she has a lot of really fun abilities. Is does the campaign story? Does it? Um depending on the character you choose are there is there like a customizable story related to Psylocke or is it just like no a, no it's one overall campaign that the whole Marvel universe you know embarks upon so in a lot of the story cutscenes, it'll be like six or seven of all the heroes like Spider-Man and Thor and there'll be one person they're talking to and it'll just you know it's very it's very um, generic in general and all over the place <laughs> So yeah, no, there's no, there's no individual like um, stuff. Okay, Crofton, what have you been playing this week? Um, I've been playing like I don't want to harp on Infamous because I'm right at the end, and I talked about it last week. Uh, uh, I have more th- more thoughts on it. It, it. it is a pretty good game. Uh, I've been playing. I mentioned um, Shovel Knight a while back, and Shovel Knight was just released on the for PlayStation systems this week, uh, but I'm playing it on the Nintendo 3DS. Uh, which I think is well suited for, honestly. It's like, you know, it's not a graphical showstopper. Um, it's a fun platformer, though. Yeah, it's a fun platformer, and the controls the controls work well. I I would say, like, I'm I'm right at the the end, and it's frustratingly difficult getting into this this last area. Um, and uh, but I played through almost the entire game, and I can say, like, that while it's a very good game and it really it really hits all the the retro uh, 
elements that you might be looking for if you grew up with the original Nintendo. And and I I feel like if it was released on that system, it would be remembered as like a classic of that system. I I still find that that it's no it's overhyped. I guess like uh, a lot of people were talking about it in the game of the year category last year. Uh, and the other game I just wanted to briefly talk about um, was was the winner of much of this game of the year talk last year, 2014, uh, Dragon Age Inquisition. And comparing Shovel Knight to Dragon Age Inquisition, I don't even see how Shovel Knight was ever in that conversation. Uh, so it, while I'd recommend it for those who are into sort of nostalgia and that, that it, nope. it's not it's – not, um, it's not the be all end all. Like I give it an eight out of ten, which is not a bad not a bad score for a game, but it's it uh it, you know, in the entire year last year, um you could have done better. And that that better um would be Dragon Age Inquisition, which I I, st- I played uh extensively right before we started doing the show. And I feel it's sort of a disservice to that game to not to not mention it. So I'm using my games per minute time a bit just to talk briefly about Dragon Age. Inquisition, um, which and I know was, you, I know. Sorry, I know you wanted to to not dwell on it too much, but uh, I got to go back to Infamous. Are you? What was your favorite power out of the four that you got? Well, I haven't got the last one yet, so I think okay. I'm right at the end. But uh, the th- it seems like every set of power you get is more interesting than the one before. So, okay. like for instance, uh, the I I got video, which is. Uh, the third set of power, and I, I, I thought, you know, I'm going to be sticking to my old ones. I'm used to playing with my old ones, but no, the third set, this third set, the video is awesome. So I'm looking forward to getting the last one. But just the way the story beats are coming now, like big things have happened story wise, I feel like I'm, I'm very much near the end of the game, and I feel like I will get that last power at the very, very end, uh, and maybe that'll allow me to do some of the extra stuff uh, after the game is over. But um, but uh, yeah, I'm, when I finish it next week, I want to talk about it a little more uh, because I feel like I'm right at the climax right now. But I'm still enjoying it. I just like plan. Dragon Age. The the thing I just wanted to mention is if if you have if you have missed that game last year and you're an RPG fan, uh, it's it's really worth picking uh, picking up. I played it on PC, but you can get it on pretty much any console under the sun, and it has a ridiculous amount of content. Um, and I put a lot of time into it just before we started doing this podcast. So I feel like I'm I'm going to mention it probably again next year, and it does have some things that need. Um, the need improvement, some stuff that's maybe not super polished, but the sheer amount of quantity it has in character interactions and choices you can make from the look of your uh, character to, uh, they recorded like, I think five or six different voices for your, for your main character to have. And when you see the sheer amount of dialogue that that character has, it's just a testament to AAA game production, and I and I hope to see. I hope the games like that keep existing, and that they're not eaten up like we talked to, talked about last week. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll, I'll leave it at that. I'll probably want to talk more about Dragon Age in the future, but it's if you missed it, it's totally worth checking out. That's quite the recommendation. Actually, and uh, speaking of recommendations, I picked up uh, Shadow Mordor around Christmas based on your recommendation. I finally. Got around to giving it a couple hours this week. Uh, I'm having fun with it so far. It's fun sort of slasher with some strategy elements. I'm uh, I'm still figuring it all out, though. Uh, Crofton, would you often sneak by the bad guys, or do you just run in and just sort of start hacking everybody? I would sneak by them. Like, it's um, – I refer to games like Shadow of Mordor like thumb candy. Uh, and one thing I felt that it did is it made everything feel satisfying. So I would, I would, you know, I would do this stealth stuff and you get all these sort of teleportation powers and such that are really awesome. But every once in a while, like when the shit hits the fan, it was fun. It was fun as well. So I did a, I did a little bit, uh, a little bit of both. And I'll tell you at the beginning, Jeff, where you're at, that's when it's at its weakest. Like the lore yeah. is really heavy. And if you're not into Lord of the Rings and all this, it could be, it could be a little bit. A hard, hard nut to crack. But I tell you, you get a few powers. You start figuring out how it controls on the controller perfectly. It starts feeling really good. Like right I yeah, re- no, I, I was having fun with it just in playing the first couple of missions. I think I think I told you about why I sort of didn't play it much at the beginning. But 
Uh, I played a ton of Far Cry 4 around Christmas, and I was having a blast with it, but it, it was feeling like a grind towards the end. You know, just liberating outposts and climbing towers to unlock the map all the time. So finally, after just, you know, marathoning it for a week, I said, I need a break. I'm going to throw on Shadow of Mordor to see what that's like. Throw it in, play the tutorial, and then the very first mission after the tutorial is to climb a tower to unlock the map. And I I, I just put down the controller in frustration, and I <laughs> did not touch it until last night. Tower climbing? Fuck yeah. this game. <laughs> no, yeah, that, that's exactly what I said. I just said, fuck that. I walked away. And like it just ha- I just have this negative like yeah. feeling every time I think about it. I just I've, had, I've neg- had those moments for sure. I yeah. totally get it. It's hilarious. But but, but like but now Far that I'm Cry in there. has a Far Cry has a shit ton of tower climbing bow. Like and, and, the, <laughs> and the tower climbing is really annoying. Jeff and I were playing online one time and he watched me try to climb a tower, so he understands that I hate tower climbing just as much as anyone. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that was an interesting experience. But we won't get into describing Crafton's tower climbing uh, attempts. <laughs> I, I, I did find, like, and Shadow, Shadow of Mordor is a bit in the rear, rear view mirror, but, like, when I think of last year, like, Shadow of Mordor is one of those games, and it rips off a lot of other games. It, it honestly does. Everybody talks about it. But it merges all these elements together, these disparate elements together so well. I, I just, like, at the end, I would always have a big smile on my face. I just look forward to playing it, like, it has that innovative nemesis system, which is cool in and of itself. But just yeah, I'm still mi- navigating that. Yeah, yeah, you'll get you'll get guys like it's really funny. Like you'll get a guy that'll uh, an orc that might you know pick a fight with you, and then he'll he might kill you, and then you'll come back uh, because you're undead or whatever. You, you, he'll he, you'll have this feud, and he'll have wounds from where you fought, and, and he'll gain rank from like he'll get promoted because he took you down and all this and he might gain new skills but he might have weaknesses and you can scout him out it was all really it was all really cool and really fun um but but uh i and i was sad that was one of those few games where like i was legit sad when it was over i was like oh man i i could have done with even uh even more of that game it just played well i felt yeah and i think lord of the rings just lends itself really well to video games i'm not i never read the books wasn't a huge fan of the movies but uh I, I love the the games that were released on I think the original Xbox. Those were just good old hack and hack and slashes. And this one looks like fun. I'm I'm happy I pushed past my fear of it. Hello there, Bo here. Uh, just a quick little ad break to let you guys know about another great podcast that. Uh, is a part of our podcast family called Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Three guys, Bo, Michael, and Crofton, select a topic at random using the random topic generator and debate whether it's good, bad, or bullshit. If you like this, I know you'll like Good, Bad, or Bullshit. Subscribe on iTunes and Stitcher or visit our site goodbadbull.com for more information. And now, without further ado, I'm going to return you to our regular programming of the Exclamation Mark Podcast. All right, so uh, you guys want to get down to the, the big topic of the week? What is it, Jeff? Well, we're going to talk about that in this week's Dialogue Tree. Dialogue Tree, 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 Tree. tree. So, Tree. Tree. <laughs> tree. Tree. So, tree. So, uh... You know what? You know where trees exist? Worlds. Open worlds. That's what we call a segue. Uh, so we're going to be talking about open world video games this uh, in this week's Dialogue Tree. We, we tend to talk about them naturally a lot because those are clearly games that we're all playing. But uh, yeah, what, uh, well, let's start off with some of your favorite open world video games. Bo, do you have any? Um, hmm. I I have kind of a contrarian opinion about open world games. I, I'm having a hard time thinking. I guess Skyrim is an open okay. world game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah. So, Skyrim is. Um, yeah. It just depends what you refer to as open world. Like, does MMO fit into that category? Because yeah, I would say yes. As I play, I enjoy my World of Warcraft, and that's a fairly open world. I mean, most MMOs are, but and well, we can get into this because there's. Oh, that's the plan. There is a linearity to open world 
to many open world games that is contradictory, you know, to the whole benefit of having an open world. So like those two games I mentioned, it's like they're open world, but they they have a linear path that you can follow. Where I'd say like a game like Minecraft is just open world and there is no linearity linearity to it whatsoever because there's no like you know go to the point a go to point b go to point c it's very much um your activities are just dictated by what you feel like doing in the environment but uh um i'll let you know both of you answer uh what your favorite open world games are it's funny because like i i like so many open world games like really uh and when when you think of open world games i think the uh, ten ton gorilla in the room is Grand Theft Auto, right? Of which course. is yeah. which it was essentially pioneered the move away from level level based uh, games towards a more sort of expansive. You can go everywhere, and now now that's been just adapted in different ways and different sizes to different types of games, much like the ones Bo just talked about. I think though the Grand the, I, I like I've had fun with Grand Theft Auto. I I have it's just. When I think of list of favorite open world games, like like Shadow of Mordor is an open world game. I like that probably more than any Grand Theft Auto I ever played. By the end of it, in terms of uh, of fun, Batman Arkham City, the second Batman uh, game, that was one of I I really like that as well. I I like superhero games. I'm playing Infamous. It's pretty good. I wouldn't put it. I wouldn't put any of the Infamouses in my favorite open world games. Yeah. But. Uh, Honestly, there are so many, and like I think of some of my favorite games of all time. I'm sure I'm I'm missing uh, a you know a bunch, uh, but but really open world open world games are sort of the backbone of what I enjoy. Sky Skyrim as well, like um, uh, and all those all those RPGs. Dragon Age, Inquisition walks this is is an open world game essentially. It it has sections of the world much like Deus Ex. Um, human revolution how it's sort of sectioned off but those sections are so huge that you can't call it anything other than an open world game jeff you you play a lot of console games there's a lot of open world on console right now what are what are your faves uh i'd i'd have to say my at least recent favorite is definitely uh far cry 4 again uh i had a lot of fun with it uh yeah gta 5 was great um shadow of mortar i'm just getting into i'm like you i played infamous i i I tend to pick up a a fair bit of open world games but so so bo i i'm curious so is your issue that a semantic one that it shouldn't be called open world unless it's truly non-linear or is it no it's, it's not a semantic issue for me because um you know they are open world like uh the idea behind an open world is like hey Here's this virtual simulation of I don't know Detroit. Enjoy, like, and you go in and nobody oh. would enjoy that. <laughs> okay, well, let's just let's, whatever <laughs> of Liberty City or what's a, what's a what's a big city in Miami. GTA. All right, let's say it's Miami. It's a simulation of Miami. There you go to yeah. the beach. There's people on the beach. You go to the barber shop. Hey, there's a barber shop, and oh, you go like it's oh wow, it's a simulation. But when you get down to doing the actual. Um, the gameplay what the game is like the mechanics that matter to you that you enjoy it tends to be linear so you have to go to point a to start a mission then you got to drive to point b and do the thing at point b and to get your story so once the novelty of the fact that you're in an open world uh wears off um but you still want to enjoy a lot of the game then what you spend a lot of your time doing is traveling Uh, a common nickname in the early days of world of warcraft is world of walking Uh, Because, you know, you literally have to go and find your quest givers, then go to a specific area to do the thing that you're there to do. And it becomes tedium. You do not enjoy walking in the world, just like you don't enjoy going to work every day. Um, It's a bunch of work. And so the novelty wears wears away to this fact that I just want to play the missions and get the story and get the things that benefit me as a player. And I'm sick of this open world. And I find that happens with a lot of open world games. Um, Skyrim, Croft and I had this conversation. I use fast travel. I don't want to experience the world 1,000 times over walking around places because yeah. I just want to do this mission, go to the dungeon, get the thing that I'm doing done, and it breaks immersion. See, but, I'm, the, I'm the opposite, man. But I totally... After you've played like 100 open world games, the last thing I want to do is spend time in another open world. Like, give me a break. 
So um, I feel that there's a lot of merit to linear games that have loading levels in it that don't need open world and everyone cries they want open world. But to me, I like to evaluate what are the benefits I'm getting from in a game. And if the immersion factor of an open world is not high on that list, then stop wasting resources putting that into the game and give me more fun shit to do in the game. That's the end of my tirade. <laughs> that was a hell of a tirade. Yes. Yeah, that was that was one for the record. <laughs> I'm, I'm a fan of open world games. I don't need it in every single game, and I don't think it, it's what makes a game great. And it, it's true that... Um that you don't need it all the time and sometimes they put it in there and, and they shoehorn it in there. Like, cause, cause like I played, you know, the last of us, uh, was one of my favorite games of the past few years and it's not an open world game and, and provide sort of a level by level experience. But at one point I'm sure in the drawing board, they thought, Oh, maybe we can make this a, an, you know, an open world zombie type, type adventure. And there is an appeal there. I, I feel like open world games, um, when they were first brought, like when Grand Theft Auto 3 first brought the 3D open world game uh, to the masses, it was with the idea that they were fulfilling a long-standing desire that people had. That, that we, as video game players, for a long time, were had invisible walls hemming us in, and that and that it would be very frustrating to play some games because you'd be like, why can't I go over this little fence? Oh, you, you can't because of, you know, the game developers or whatever. You're not allowed to go there. So there's a lot of limitations on what you can and cannot do. And and with the open world game, a lot of those were shattered. And I feel like um, I, I feel like for the betterment overall, but now I feel with multiple generations later of consoles, we're in a situation where that genre is stagnating. And I, I, I play, having played like Watch Dogs and Infamous pretty much back to back with games like Far Cry, like having these like maps full of icons of like mini little fetch quests that you need to do. I mean, it, it, it's getting like, I want my gaming time to be quality, not quantity. Yeah, no, for sure. So, so it's almost like what Bo is saying, like just, you know, if you're going to make a linear story, just just commit to that and own it and then make that what you're playing more fun. Right. Instead of having to do all the side quests. So are you crafting? You're normally a completionist, though, in these games, though, right? You usually go in and you try to unlock every every achievement you can. Crofton's, Crofton is gone. <laughs> well, all right, well, let me just say that um, I am typically a completionist. I know I did almost everything in Watch Dogs. Yeah. And then I look back and, and I'm kind of like, oh, why did I do that? Like, I was enjoying the game, but if I did that for every single game, I feel like a lot of time would be, you know, like, I look at, like, my Steam catalog for Skyrim, and it's like, I think it might be at, like, 150 hours or something. I fast-traveled a lot in that game. If yeah. I didn't fast-travel... And let's say I still played the same substantive amount. My playtime might be at like 300 hours, you know. And it's like there's a lot of games in the world to go play. Um, and, and my analogy to traveling to work, I think, is just says it all. It's like no one likes their commute to work five days a week. Um, so why do I want to do that in a video game? But Sky – oh, go ahead, Jeff. Sorry. I was just going to say, but for a game like Skyrim, I think that's the appeal to a lot of people, right, is that they can ride their horse across these, these mountains and these – you know, beautiful yeah. valleys. Yeah, right? to have random stuff happen to you. And like Skyrim is an example of a game that is good that does this. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of open world games and are like things like um, oh, like Watch Dogs. I don't know. It, to me, I the fact that it was open world was tedium more than it was, you know, amazing. I would have preferred like a narrative based storyline with that science fiction, with that gameplay. Um I, you know what? I, I could probably agree with that for for Watch Dogs. I don't know if I'm going to pick that back up. It's uh, it's losing my interest quickly. I I just remembered, like going back to the initial question of what is your favorite open world game. I have a actually clear answer of what my favorite open world game of all time is. Is Red Dead Redemption, and uh, I loved that game. And I think that um, it is an interesting example because it uses. Uh, it has a very, in the end, quite tight story with a very impactful conclusion. But 
it does that within the framework of an open world game. And do I think that it at that that open world added to the story? I absolutely do. And I I definitely had the option to fast travel in in Red Dead Redemption. I almost never took it. And that's what I think is interesting about these open worlds because when when LA Noir was released a couple of years ago by Rockstar, um, a lot of people said there was nothing to do in the world. And there wasn't much, really. There was like you could go just go from one mission to the next and all this. But the 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 atmosphere that it created when you know drive you know driving around in a historical environment, like yeah, Grand Theft Auto Five set in what looks like L.A. today. Do I want to go around there? Probably not. Looks kind of polluted and not really fun. But going to a historical period like the Assassin's Creed games do, like Rock uh, Red Dead Redemption de- did, like L.A. Noir does, I just find it adds like ambiance and an environment to it. And I think the same could be said of a futuristic environment. Like if a new Deus Ex game was released and they told me it was going to be more open world than it is now, like open it up and you can go to more places and all that sort of that would be a huge selling point to me i would like to see more of that so yeah, see like that's that's a good case study because um to me la noir is like walking dead which the, the telltale walking dead game was very well received but instead of just getting on to the next story beat i had to drive around a whole bunch before doing the next thing or like i'd much prefer uh, modders, if you're listening, an experience of L.A. Noir that was just like, take me, the fun part was interrogating people, trying to figure out if they're lying and trying to solve the mysteries and watching the narrative play out. And, you know, like, I think you make a good point that, oh, historical L.A., that's that's awesome. But to for me, it grew to be tedium rather quickly because I was just, I was interested in getting onto the next story beat in that particular gameplay style. Whereas, like, the Walking Dead game was never... You know, it was just always moving on to the next part of the story. So, like that would be my opinion. Uh, I think I, I think that there's work to do on open world games now. I think they're stag- stagnating a little bit. They're they're married to I guess the um, the Grand Theft Auto sort of waypoint um, items on the map type system. Yeah, it's the uh, popular trend. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you know, Watch Dogs, Infamous. Uh, I've been playing played those games recently. Both of them follow a same sort of like map chasing type type of gameplay. Uh, I'd like to see more with regards to open world. Um, uh, but I, I feel that like they need to take advantage of that open world. And I don't want to see studios go out of business because they try to over deliver and like and, and push these really detailed, crazy worlds. I look at a game like Bioshock Infinite that is not an open world game per se, but still manages to create a believable world that doesn't make you feel hemmed in or, or whatever. I think that there, there, there's ways that they can do it that are less demanding resource-wise. And if you commit to making an open world game, be sure that you are using that open world uh, to its fullest capacity. Because otherwise, I mean, the sheer amount of art assets and everything, it's ridiculous. Yeah. All right. So I think that wraps up this week's dialogue tree, which brings us to the inventory management, where we answer the question, spend your cash or vendor trash? Inventory management is a challenging and inexact science. So Crofton, what, uh, what would you recommend to the audience this week or what would you not recommend? I uh, have name dropped so many games in this episode. I feel like going back and recommending a whole bunch of them, uh, but I got to save some of them for the future. So what I'm going to say is like one of the big games that's coming out this year, I think it's coming out in June. It's been delayed a couple of times is Batman Arkham Knight. So there's, there's uh, two and a half Batman Arkham games out now um, two developed by the original developers, Rocksteady games and one uh, developed by Eidos Montreal uh, which I played as well, and honestly, is 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 pretty is pretty good and definitely worth your time. Uh, but I have been a huge fan of the Batman Arkham games. I, I've been a Spider Man ga- gamer and Spider Man lover pretty much my whole life with regards to superheroes. Batman hasn't necessarily been my thing, but these games really got me into that sort of universe. I feel like every once in a while you play a game that is just 
so high quality it's hard to deny like the the time and the care has been put in into this um is being given uh attention both in terms of how it handles the ip in this case batman and in terms of how it handles game mechanics arkham asylum the first one is more like a a metroidvania type game like uh where you're you're in an environment and you unlock new areas and all this and arkham city is while it still has elements of that, it's more open world, but you can't go wrong and you don't necessarily need to have played one to play another. So uh, for my my recommendations this week, uh, get caught up in Batman uh, before the release of Arkham Knight. And Bo needs to get caught up with all the Arkhams that uh, Crofton's gifted him over the years at full price, but it still has played. God damn it. <laughs> I love you, Crofton. I love you, bro. One, one day you'll play them. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. I tell you, you don't see this is the kicker too you don't necessarily need to like superhero games just like you I don't played need to... the first one the batman batman series is amazing yeah sure. no but it's, like it's a solid series yeah, absolutely. yeah have you played them yeah i played the first two yeah okay perfect good no, I, no, I still have no idea like i i tried to be a completionist in those games and i just could not do the riddler's riddles so i just gave up they were of the extra sort of you know pick up extra secret packages or whatever that they yeah. have in all open world games. I found the Riddler's challengers were one of the more compulsive for me to actually do. I would, I would, I think I completed them in both games. Like there was wow. enough, there was enough incentive to, I've replayed those games as well. Like I'm a big fan of that series. So I'm, I'm looking forward to Arkham Knight. And that when Jesse got me the PS4 for Christmas, one of my first thoughts were, was I'm going to be able to play Arkham Knight. That's awesome. <laughs> So, so my recommendation for the week is uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. We were talking about the Call of Duties earlier. Uh, that was probably the peak of the series for me. Although if you're if you're playing any Call of Duties, you've probably played that one. But if you haven't and you want to pick up a, a shooter on the on the older consoles, I I recommend that one. It was just really well done. Good maps. Would it hold up? Uh, yeah, I think it would. So uh, yeah, if you if you're playing on the PS3, I think it would hold up uh, with some of the later releases. Um, it's funny because I think we actually played that. I mentioned now two podcasts in a row that I played games in a movie theater, and I think that was one of the ones we played. It was either that or the third Modern Warfare, but uh, but uh, yeah, it was it was uh, it was fun shooting people in the head. And I liked it. Right on. And, Bo, what uh, what do you got for the fans this week? Uh, my recommendation is not a video game, but uh, if you love Transformers, if you played with them as a kid, there is a brilliant stop-motion Transformers original generation uh, video utilizing the toys, um, you know, like the original Optimus Prime and Blue Streaks in it and Bumblebee and Wheeljack and, oh, yes, Megatron, Soundwave, all Shia like... Shia LaBeouf? Um, no, no, it's it's toys. Oh. These are toys. No, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. joking. I, I would die if – I would not be recommending it if there was a toy Shia LaBeouf in it going like, awesome. oh, my God, oh, my God, no. Because that's, that's his acting in that movie is just, you know, him yelling, what, what? Um, no, it's it's all the original Transformers toys in a stop-motion video. You, it, it utilizes a lot of the audio assets from, like, the original series, so the clanking of the metal, the ch the transforming sound and um laser sounds uh but it's like i don't know it's in this guy's garage or whatever so it's just like all these cardboard boxes and weird shit around anyways just check it out i'm gonna throw a link in the show notes um but if you're searching on uh youtube it, it the title of it is transformers generation movie stop motion uh by this dude harris Eru. i don't know how to say his last name but uh it's like the most amazing thing I've seen. And if you're a Transformer fan, um, you will love this because <laughs> it's probably what you were doing with your toys when you were a kid. It's literally that. So yeah. I think I think it's pretty funny that we actually managed to make it to the end of the third whole episode of Exclamation Mark before Bo fangirled out on Transformers. <laughs> I, th I thought that was going to happen earlier. He's uh, he's a big Transformers fan. Well, I'm a fan of it, but there are, I mean, tons of people who will put my fandom to shame. I don't. There I don't, are dozens of us. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well done, uh, Tobias. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it, it was just, it, it really sort of warmed my heart to see that kind of stuff. And uh, Sweet. I think it's going to be an ongoing thing, so I'm looking forward to more. Great. Awesome. 
So, uh, yeah, if uh, I think that's going to wrap things up for this week. If, if any of you listeners want to get in contact with us, let us know about any other Transformers videos or things we should know about. Uh, tell us why Call of Duty sucks or have an opinion on anything we've talked about. Drop us a line. You can find us on Twitter at EXM Podcast, Facebook. Uh, you can email us at EXMPodcast at gmail.com. And, of course, the website EXMPodcast.com. Just uh, drop us a line there. Gentlemen, do you have anything to say before we uh, we end this on a quote? Autobots, roll out. <laughs> no, I have nothing. That was pretty good. That sound effect, I, I thought there was an Autobot there. <laughs> I was a little worried too. All right, well, that, that wraps it up for episode three of uh, the XM Podcast. Thanks for listening. And as always, we end on a, a Master Game Theater quote. Boom, shakalakalakala.